I am going to be reading out of Psalms chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can read along. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Because I have trusted in your steadfast love, my heart shall rejoice in all your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. Thank you, Kausu. Well, good morning, Missio family. Um, good to be with you this morning. And, um, you know, this year coming into it, I was really excited um, about a teaching series that I'd put together and been thinking about for a while uh, called Unimaginable. I'd been reading in the fall just through the, the book of Ephesians, and I came to that scripture in, in Ephesians uh, chapter three, where, where Paul's talking about um, the love of God and praying for the church to experience it in such a way that then you'd have faith to know and understand that um, God can do far more than we could ever hope for or imagine. And that word unimaginable was just brewing and stewing uh, in my head all throughout the fall. And um, was just, yeah, getting really excited, starting putting together a series and um, just talking through it with Joel a little bit and emailing Vicky and teaching team and just going, here's, here's where I think we're going. And then as the new year came, um, you know, it, it didn't start much different than 2021, than 2020 was, you know? Um, and I, I was feeling tired. I was feeling worn, uh, just the weight of things. Uh, both in my own home with things breaking down and then in the world, things breaking down and just the reality of life. I was just feeling overwhelmed. And I started just going to the Lord in prayer and, and I, find, I started finding solace just in seeing that so much of scripture actually was resonating with this prayer in my heart of how long, oh Lord. Uh, and it came to find out that there's a handful of Psalms that Actually, that's what they're titled, and that's how they open. Kalsu just read one for us in Psalm 13, and then there's Psalm 79, and there's Psalm 89, and there's Psalm 6, and Revelation 6. We see that that's the cry of, of the saints as well, and really just begin to realize more and more, and even as I was going through EHS, both in the fall and now in this winter, that there's a whole lot of scripture that just has this theme and this cry of, how long, O Lord? that there's an invitation that God gives us to cry out to him in the midst of times and seasons like what we've been living through for, for the last year. And the more and more I, I read through and sat through it honestly myself, the more and more I, I kept hearing God say, yes, like I, I want you to bring a series that is honest, that is hope-filled, that is gospel-centered, and that calls people into partnership with me to do the unimaginable in the world. Yes, I want you to do that. But it's not going to be through a series called Unimaginable first. <laughs> first, you need to go through a series and look at this theme of, of how long, oh Lord. 
And so, Miss Hill, this morning, we're, we're kicking off a new series that will be in for the next six weeks that, yeah, we're titling How Long, O Lord? Partnering with the psalmist in his acknowledgement and in his lament, partnering, engaging in a lot of scripture in, in the honest reality of, of what's going on in our own hearts and in the world. Um, and really, if we're honest, all throughout history, ever since the fall, as we sit and live in this world, again, in this this state of being in between the fall and the consummation, as we live in this, this season, this time, this epoch of, of waiting for and experiencing parts of redemption, but not fully. I don't know about you, but so often my heart just cries that, how long, oh Lord? You know, the pandemic is an event that, um, and the season of life that we've been living in, it's it's an event that I don't think I'll honestly, I don't think any of us will soon forget. Uh, life right now is being reshaped. It has been being reshaped over the last year. And I think it's something we're going to remember for, for the rest of our lives going forward. And yet, if I'm honest with you, there's been a lot of days, probably because of that, where I've sat and I've just said, I, I just want to move on. <laughs> I, I just want it to be all over with. I, I just want to get past this thing and call this thing COVID, call this thing the emergence of an acknowledgement of the racism, call this thing, again, the own brokenness in my heart, call this thing injustice and oppression, call this thing, call it what you want to call it, all that you fill in the blank. But that's just been so much of what I've been thinking and actually what I've been hearing as I, I talk with people. It's been a long season of, of shedding, a long season of loss, a long season of, of just diminishing. And everything in us naturally as humans, I think, but maybe even more so as Americans, is we, we want to avoid dissent. <laughs> we want to avoid loss. We want to avoid pain. Um, Peter Scazzaro in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says, we often view or treat loss and pain and suffering as like this alien invasion that's come in to take over our perfect little lives. And so through EHS and through just the last number of months, through God honestly calling me, <laughs> To, to greater honesty, to greater humility, and just brokenness before him. Um, I feel like what God is saying is that acknowledging pain and loss, acknowledging longing, and learning to grieve, to lament, to mourn well, it actually has the power to unlock deep and great revelation about who God is and about who we are. That learning as individuals and learning as a community Again, to acknowledge pain and loss and longing and to grieve it well, it has the ability to draw us deeper into the life-changing love of God. So I think often when I think about, and that's what I was doing as I was thinking about that series of unimaginable was going, yes, God, I want to I just remind your church. I want to remind your people. I want to remind my community about your great and amazing love that I was reading about in Ephesians 3 and how, yes, you're this God that can do the unimaginable. And what God was saying was, yes, that's true. That is what my love is. But the way that you actually experience my love is not trying to forget and avoid the realities of hurt and pain going on in the world and moving on towards something, but it's actually acknowledging what's there because it's in the pain, it's in the darkness, it's in the brokenness that my love shines brightest that my love ministers more powerfully, that my love is experienced to be what it truly is, a love that's life-changing, a love that's hope-inducing, a love that is radical and unlike anything else in this world, a love that allows us and calls us to be something more, to be something different, 
a love that matures us, that refines us and begins to define us when we allow it to reach into the, the greater depths of who we are and what we're actually longing for and what's going on. And so as I've been, yeah, reading scripture and, and talking with our community and just seeing what's going on, I feel like God's calling us to that, calling us to something more, yes, but calling us to look at the way that scripture and in scripture, he invites us to long and to mourn and to lament, to be aware of what's going on, to ask the question of God, what is happening? God, why is this happening? God, where are you? God, what are you doing? And to not be afraid to ask those, again, acknowledging that those are, those are beautiful and necessary, actually part of our faith. That it's in that wrestling, that it's in that questioning, it's in that searching, in that seeking, that Jesus says, when you seek and you knock, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And so, Missio, as we enter this series over the next several weeks of Lent, I hope that it is for us as individuals and us as a community, a season where we enter into a season of seeking and of longing of authenticity and of honesty with ourselves, with one another, with the Lord, in hopes that, and in the belief that through that, we actually will experience and see the unimaginable love of God at work and at play in our hearts and in our minds and in the world on the other side. To kick us off this morning and just kind of introduce some of the theme of what we'll be looking at and give us some context for this, I want to look at Psalm 13 with you and kind of walk through it a little bit. But before we, as we do that, what I've noticed, and again, this, I'm going to be, I'm borrowing a lot as I think through this from Peter Schizero and the Emotional Healthy Spirituality. I can't help but not, but Schizero says that there's three biblical movements of God's invitation to us in loss and in longing or in loss and in grief, he often says. And that there's three dynamics, basically, that God, ways in which God invites us to respond and so God's invitation to us in loss and in longing is one, pay attention and feel it. Two, wait upon God in the confusing in-between times. And then three, let the old birth the new. And so I want to read through Psalm 13 and, and look at these themes as they play out here. Look at these invitations as they play out here. And then we'll, we'll talk about you know, each of these pieces here as well. But Psalm 13, if, if you have it in front of you, Psalm 13, it starts with, with this note that this is to the choir master, that this is a psalm of David. And it's to the choir master because this is, it's a psalm or a song of, of, of lament, of acknowledging that, that something is not right in the world. Things are not as they ought to be. And it's written by David in the, the we don't get much more context than that. Um, some would say that he's writing this uh, as his son Absalom was conspiring against him. Others would say, no, we don't have enough context to know that. That's just all conjecture and we're you know, associating it with other Psalms or whatever. And I would say, I, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think we know. I don't think we know where David is in his life and why he's writing this, but more so just that we also see that there's no indication of sin here, that he's done anything wrong. So it's not like it's associated with Psalm 51 and, and that whole deal. But it, I think this Psalm though, just it just gives voice to the deep feelings and the reality of loss and of overwhelm that you and I often feel in any of life's many trials that we face. Because the reality of, of life here on this earth is one that is filled with 
a good amount of, of brokenness, of pain, of suffering. And what God invites us to is to actually pay attention to it, to feel it, to acknowledge it, and allow longing to bubble up in birth within our hearts and within our souls. And so we see in verse 1 and 2, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? What we see here in these first two verses is an honest cry, an honest lament, an acknowledgement of the problem, of the issue, of the things going on in the world. God seems distant here. He seems silent. He seems unwilling to counsel. He seems unable to console. He seems powerless against evil. It seems as if God has left the throne, as if he's abdicating his responsibility and his promise that he's given to David here. And David acknowledges that. Again, he feels it. And he allows that feeling of the bleakness, the darkness, the reality of the things going on in his own heart and in the world around him. He allows it to lead him to this place of acknowledging his longing. Notice every single sentence there has that word long, how I long, this longing, this this desire, this, this hunger, this thirst. There's something more, God, which I believe and know you created me for, and this is just not it. God invites us, church, to enter into and acknowledge the places of our lives where we feel desperate, where we feel alone, where we feel in the dark, where we feel longing. He invites us to open ourselves up to that and open ourselves up to what God might be wanting to do and even is doing in the midst of that fertile void. See, I had to be honest, even as I was thinking about (laughs) that series Unimaginable and coming into this year and bringing us to this place of like, yeah, I had to be honest that that what I normally do with pain and with suffering is I I often like to avoid it. (laughs) I like to ignore it. I've been taught to stuff it. I try to control it. I'm really good at trying to control things. I try to push it down and rush or rush past it. Uh, Sometimes I I can get paralyzed actually by the doomsday of it. If I actually think about it, I, I feel paralyzed and I can go really easily to catastrophic thinking. And so because of that, I deny, I want to deny, I want to minimize, or I even move to this place of wishful thinking, like, oh, it's, it's just going to be okay. Or, you know, the wording that people, oh, when, when, when the clock strikes on December 31st, at the end of 2020, it's all going to be, no, no. And when we realize that that's not true, what we move to and do instead is we go to places of numbing and of medication. I go to places of, of self-preservation and of self-centered focus, trying to think that if I just focus on me and and my own, that that it's going to solve it, that I can, again, control it, protect it, and move there. And then when I look outside of myself and I look to our culture, the culture says, spin it. Just put a nice spin on it. Just put put some lipstick on it and put some lights on it, and it's going to be okay. We view loss and we view suffering. Again, I, I love Scazzaro's just the metaphor of it, that we view it as this alien invasion coming to disrupt our perfect lives. And I've had to admit that that, that's me. But over the last couple months, as I've sat in it and I've talked with, again, people in our community and and beyond, I've just been feeling more and more, again, just God's invitation. As I've looked at scripture and realized that two thirds of the Psalm 
Psalms are, are, are this, this invitation. That the whole book of Job, there's a whole book called Lamentations. There's Jeremiah that even Birch referenced in, in, the, in the welcome this morning. There's Jesus's life if we look at it. It's, it's an embracing of the loss of the pain of the darkness of the reality, holding it, acknowledging that it helps to fuel and wake us up to the longings and the things that we're truly desiring as opposed to just running and fleeing to the places of protection and medication. I appreciated what um, a man named Dan Allender and Tremper Longman, they say in, in one of their books, they say that reality is where we meet God. Reality is where we meet God. See, pain, loss, grief, those are realities of life, again, here in this earth. They, it comes to all of us. None of us is protected from it. <laughs> and few, unfortunately, are actually end up being transformed by it. Why? Because of the fact that we react to it in ways that, that aren't in line, actually, with what God's invitation is all throughout Scripture. To pay attention to loss, acknowledge our longings, allow ourselves to feel it, embrace the reality of what is, because in that space, that's where God can and does meet us. The next sweep of, of this movement of God's invitation to us is then to wait upon God in the confusing in-between. He invites us to, to sit in it. He invites us to, to, to take everything that we're feeling and acknowledging and, and bring it to him, take it before him and allow him to, to speak over us, to speak into it in the midst. I love verse three and four in Psalm 13, where David moves from the, the longing and the acknowledgement and he maintains the longing, but he moves into this place of actually bringing a petition to God. Verse three and four, he says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. See, all throughout scripture, we see this movement that it's first you pay attention to the loss and you acknowledge the longing. You allow yourself to enter in and feel it, not run from it, but run into it. And as you run into it, you run into it and you bring it to the Lord. And you bring it to the Lord in a posture of humility that allows you to sit and to wait. And in that place, though, bring your petitions to God. David says here, he says, consider me, God, answer me, God, light up my eyes. It's, it's a cry of, of, of saying, God, like, Give me the light of life that I need to endure and live through this. He actually doesn't say here, take it away. He doesn't, he, he, what he says is, God, come and meet me here in the midst of it. I'm here, God, in the midst of it. I'm waiting for you. Would you bring me the light that I need for my eyes to see what you are doing here now in the midst of this thing? Because if not, it's going to crush me. and I'm going to go to that place of sleeping to death. But God, I, I'm, I'm crying out to you. I believe you're a God. I believe you are more powerful than my enemy. They're all around me. They're here. But God, in the midst of it, bring me the light that my eyes see. Bring me the awareness that I need to sit and to wait with you in the midst of all that's going on. Again, church, I'll acknowledge I'm not good at that. <laughs> I wasn't taught that in my home. I wasn't even necessarily taught that in seminary. But it's been the school of life, if you will, and even thinking and embracing, looking at the reality of this last year and being honest about it. 
being honest about things coming into this year, just going, God, my soul longs for, for, for the light of life to, to see you more in the midst of this. There's no end in sight to this thing, God. And so if this is my reality, would you bring me the light that I need to see who you are and where you are and what you're doing and to see who I am in the midst of this, God, so that I can stay here and walk with you, that I might be a prevail with you. And it's after these two movements, the movement first of paying attention and leaning into the longing and feeling it, and then going to God and waiting with God and crying out to God and being with him present in the confusing in-between. At some point, <laughs> there is a time in which we need to let the old birth the new. Or in other words, what God does is he births something new out of the old. Verse five and six David somehow gets to this place where he says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. There's this reorientation that we see happen in David's life where his, this pain and the trouble has disoriented him. We know that David is a man after God's own heart. And so his orientation was around God. But the pain, the suffering, the darkness has disoriented him. And so he's acknowledged it. He's longed it. He's entered into it. He's gone before God and he's waiting with God in the confusing in between. And at some point, and we'll talk more about these going forward, but at some point there's this, this reorientation that takes place for David. It's an orientation back to God, back to who God is and understanding. It's a posture of, of humility that leads him to a place of, of praise, that leads him to a place of experiencing new life but that could only have been birthed out of the death, the loss, the pain, the suffering that he experienced. See, church, if we're honest, and if we think about the gospel, the central message of the gospel reality actually is that suffering and death are what bring transformation and resurrection. It is darkness and brokenness that brings healing and new life, or that leads to new life. It's that it's in the reality of brokenness of real life that, that God meets us and God saves us. You know, I've been thinking about the fact that, you know, I was thinking the other, the other, the other week, I, I loved a couple of weeks ago when Kalsu spoke. I loved the word that she brought and I loved, it brought so much hope. I loved the story that she told us of, of, of Yui and how Yui came to know Christ. And I was thinking, reflecting on that. And I think what we all resonated with and what was so powerful about that was, yeah, this, this hope in this new life. But I'd ask you to think about from where did that new life and that hope birth from? It actually birthed out of a place of darkness and of brokenness and of longing. See, Yui was honest about where she was. Yui, she was, she was honest about where she was. She was honest about Buddhism not being satisfactory. She was honest about pursuing the things that her country and her culture in the world was inviting to her was not satisfactory. She was honest that there was a greater longing in her life, something more that she desired. And so when our team came and they proclaimed the gospel and she saw the light of life in others, she goes, that, that's what it is. She knew. But it was a hope that was birthed actually out of acknowledgement of there's darkness and there's brokenness in my heart and in my mind and in my life. I was thinking about others that I know that came to know Christ this last year and thinking about their stories as well. There's stories of great brokenness, of great darkness, of great suffering and longing. And it's out of that then that God births something new. 
See, why, why am I sharing that? Why am I give, pointing us to that perspective? See, here's the thing, church. You and I, we all received new life in Christ that was birthed by God's grace and his love meeting us and finding us in our place of brokenness, in our place of doubt, in our places of longing. And the reality is that now we're invited into this place of what's called sanctification, this place of receiving ongoing over and over again that work of salvation that God has placed in us. But in order for us to receive the new life, in order for the new to be birthed, we have to acknowledge that the old is still there. We have to sit with God in the tension of what's going on in order to allow God's amazing and unimaginable love, yes, to come and meet us in that place where we are experiencing the pain, the hurt, the loss, the suffering, the darkness, both going on outside the world, but also going on inside of my own heart and in my own mind. It's the reality of God's love coming and meeting us in the brokenness that births new, real, beautiful life. I think what God has reminded me is that church, I need that again. And I think we all need that again. Thomas Aquinas said it this way. He said that God's work of creation is ongoing, that God is pouring out his life in an ongoing way into places of death. He's sustaining life now, and he's recreating new life wherever it is needed. And if God's attention were ever to stop or cease for a moment, the world would cease to exist. What Aquinas was saying is that, that, that there's an ongoing work of, of God. God. God did it once in your life, yes, to bring you to a place of salvation. And there's an ongoing work in our lives in this world that, that God is doing to meet us in the places of reality when we're willing to acknowledge it's real, it hurts, I'm overwhelmed, I, I can't stand it, I just want out. But allow that to move us again to longing, to really feel it, to then bring it to God and sit with him in the confusion of the in-between because it often is longer than we want or hope. That some point in that place, God's grace births something new in us. That then out of that, <laughs> we're able to go and do and partner with God in amazing ways. You know, church, we're in the season of Lent. And I think Lent is exactly that. It's, it's an invitation for us to feel the pain, to feel the brokenness, to feel the longing of our own and, and yes, of the world. And to, to long for God in a new way to mourn the brokenness of, of injustice, of, of, of racism, of the brutality, of pain, of death. Even of, we were again reminded again this week that, that our, our world is revolting. <laughs> Nature is revolting against the ways that we have dealt with God's creation unwisely, the way we've been poor stewards, the brokenness of that. But to, to acknowledge it and to look at the injustice, the pain, the abuse, and to lament these things, to repent of them, yes, and then to move to a place of belief. Reminded this year that yeah, this season of Lent, it's, it's a much needed mentor, I think, in our age, in our time of just being obsessed with perfection, with exceptionalism, with a facade of success. Church, I think God's inviting us in, into a season of, of walking in solidarity with Christ, the suffering servant. Walking in solidarity with those who are hurting and suffering in the world acknowledging and, and believing that walking through the darker seasons that we would rather would avoid actually are the way forward into new life and resurrection. You know, I was thinking this week, um, 
just just about the realities of of, of where we are in, in our country with, with even COVID. Um, saw a stat that said we're almost at 500,000 American deaths lost, lives lost to COVID this year, uh, in a year's time. They're saying we're well, well easily going to eclipse 600, maybe 700,000. And there's over 2.5 million around the world who lost their lives since January 2020. It's astonishing to think about that and to acknowledge that those aren't just numbers. (laughs) These are lives of human beings made in the image of God, lost because of the pandemic. And in the midst of of all of that, there's been loss of jobs. There's been economic upheaval. There's been, again, the, 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 the oppression and the racism and the brutality and the abuse, all of that going on to the black community, to the Asian community, the, the poor. There's been weddings that have been canceled. There's been graduations that have been virtual. There's been people dying alone because of things that are going on. There's been loss of community connection. There's been loss of relationships. There's, there's just so much going on in the midst of, of this season. And I feel like, again, God is saying that in order for us truly to experience, I think what we all long for, which is the resurrection, the celebration at Easter coming in six weeks, it's, it's to enter honestly though here now for a season and to go, here's, here's what it is. And God, in the midst of this, where are you? Like, what are you doing? Where, where is your justice? Why, why are we not seeing it roll down? God, where, where is your mercy that is new every morning? God, God, where are you in the midst of this? And, and to not be afraid. I think what God's been teaching me is that my faith with him, faith with him, life with him, it's far less tidy and clean, I think, than most of us want it to be. The reality of life and faith. And I think as I look at this invitation that God gives us, again, these three movements to pay attention and to acknowledge the longing and to feel it, and then to wait with God in the confusion in between and to let the, the old then birth the new, is that God's okay with that. He's okay with our questions. One of the things I've been noticing as I, as I yeah, read through both the Psalms and, and then Job and, and Lamentations and looking at Jeremiah, a lot of those books I was talking about earlier, every single one of them, there's these questions of God. There's these questions, these deep questions about God and who he is and what he's doing and where is he at? And I think what I'm discovering more and more is that God's okay with that and he welcomes it because it's in that longing, it's in that seeking, it's in that questioning Again, that Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, because you will find. You will find me there, and I will come meet you in the midst of the reality of life. Lastly, I think I would remind us this, that why why is this important for us? You know, church, I think this is really important because we say all the time that we exist to be an authentic community that makes Jesus Christ fully known so that others may come to fully know him. The reality is that engaging in the loss, the sadness, the darkness, acknowledging the longing in my own heart and my own soul, what it does is it softens me. (laughs) It softens my senses and it takes down my defenses. It makes me more human. It actually makes me more like Jesus. It makes it so that I can actually enter in more authentically with others, meet them where they're at, and make Christ's love known in their world, in the reality of what it is. I love Henry Nouwen said it this way. He said, the degree to which we suffer and grieve our own losses 
is in direct proportion to the compassion that we're able to extend to others. The degree to which we suffer and grieve our own losses is in direct proportion to the compassion that we will be able to extend to others. And when I read that, what I love about it is that it reminds me of Jesus. See, that's the good news in all of this, church, is that when we acknowledge the realities of the brokenness, of the longing, Jesus enters in with us. Yes, he weeps with us. Jesus enters in with us. And it's the breaking that we experience in the solidarity with Christ that empties us of the things that God desires not to be there, even that we desire not to be there, and it unites us with Jesus and makes us more like him. The sorrow wears away the masks that I like to wear and that I like to present to the world. And there's something actually liberating and freeing about acknowledging the pain, the hurt, the suffering, and the longing. See, the grief isn't the final place. The lament isn't the final word. The grief is meant to work in us. The lament helps us to work it out. The longing that we acknowledge, again, awakes us to the places that God is at work and desiring to bring transformation in our lives. And it's through that that then we experience that truly life does come out of the death and out of the dying. And so, Missio, this morning, I want to leave you with, with three questions to think about and consider as, as we head into worship. Number one is this, how did your family of origin teach you to deal with loss and longing? You know, over this last year in this season, there's probably ways and things that you have experienced that you were taught and you weren't even aware of it, but maybe this year, finally, you're aware of it. You're going, oh, I'm, I'm reacting this way. I'm doing this certain thing. But that's been part of my awakening. And I've shared some with, with, with you guys, some of that. But how did your family of origin teach you to deal with loss and with longing? Number two, what coping strategies do you turn to in the midst of your loss and your pain? What, what, what's your normal go-to? Consider honestly how you normally deal with pain and discomfort. I, I, I read you my, my list of things earlier. Borrow them if you need to. But what, 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 honestly, how, how do you normally deal with it? And, and number three, and this is where I... I want to invite you to do some honest work today, this week. What loss and longing is Jesus inviting you to acknowledge today? What pains in your life are waiting to be acknowledged and waiting to be, to be grieved? I'd invite you to take time today, take time this week, to sit, compile a list of the pain, of the suffering, and the longing that that is producing within you. And invite you to bring that, bring that to the Lord. Don't stuff it. Just bring it to the Lord and allow him to sit with you. And you sit with him in, in, in the discomfort of the unknown, of that longing, of that waiting. Because in time, his promise is that he will birth life. He will birth newness out of the old and out of that loss and out of that longing. We're going to go this morning into a time of worship and I invite you to listen to it. I invite you to sing to it if you'd like, allow the Lord to minister to you. And then after that, even we're going to give you a couple minutes of silence. And maybe even there is a time and a place where you can sit and think about what are the things that you need to grieve, the things that you need to acknowledge, the ways that longing needs to be acknowledged before the Lord. 
So let me just pray for us and then uh, we'll worship together. And so Lord, yeah, this morning, God, we, we come to you as, as a people, as your people. God, we come to you a people in need of you. God, a people longing for you, a people desiring you. God, we acknowledge that this world is not as we desire it, nor we want to see it. And even greater that this world is not as you created it or called it to be. God, we acknowledge that some of that is our own participation, that some of that is our own doing individually, and it's totally our doing as a humanity. And God, we sit in this space and we long, we hurt, we're broken. God, we desire, we long for you, God. And so I pray, Lord, in this time of worship and in this season, the season of Lent, the season of looking at honestly and how we need to cry out, how long. God, I pray that you'd come and you would meet us. God, that by your mercy, you would come and you'd minister us. That Holy Spirit, you would come and out of your goodness, you would lead and guide us into truth. Show us where Christ is inviting us to acknowledge the pain, the longing, the things that we've stuffed, the thing that we've ignored, the ways that we are trying to just push through. Lord, invite us to that place where you long to meet us, where you long to minister to us. God, I thank you that you see us in our fullness. You're already aware of these things, but you invite us because there's something powerful about our own acknowledgement, our own honesty, our own humility with ourselves and before you and and, in community, that that's where you work, that that's where you break through, that that's where you actually do the unimaginable, that that's where you bring transformation and new life. God is in the places of pain and of hurt, the places of our suffering and our longing. Jesus, yeah, thank you that we don't do this alone. And we're not doing this just as an exercise of frivolousness, but this is your invitation to us. That I see this all throughout scripture. I see this in your life, Jesus, that invitation to come. Come to me, you said, Jesus. And so Lord, this morning we come, we acknowledge, we sit, we long, and Lord, we wait for you, your love, your healing, your direction, your guidance to move us forward in the ways that you desire. God, would you watch over and protect us in this process, in this journey? And Lord, have your will and have your way in our hearts and our minds and in this community. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.